Good morning, Dr. Joel. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. It's right. a free clinic, of course. Uh, I really told people that, you know, if they want to see a psychologist, this is the best time to see. Like, give us a call because it's free consultation. Yep. All right. On a very wet Wednesday morning, <laughs> very. let's get mm. to the first one, shall we? Catherine, you have a question for Dr. Joel. What are the early symptoms of dementia? Is it something like forgetfulness or is it that a short attention span? How do I identify? At first, I didn't think it would be dementia because this person is just in their 60s. But could it be something to do with dementia? Early symptoms of dementia. Yeah, that, that's a tough question to ask uh, answer, right? Because 60 is probably at the super uh, maximum threshold of uh, dementia happening. I mean, sometimes people can have it about 50, but 60 is quite early. Like. So early, all right. Yeah, uh, if there's no like significant damage or injury or illness, then 60 is probably at the threshold of that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's hard to answer that question because there could be many, many reasons, right? So it could be just that at 8 or 60, they have a lot more on their mind, for example. The inhibitions are lower, their attention span is lower. So it doesn't necessarily mean dementia. It just means that their attention is a bit distracted in that sense right mm. so in order to determine whether it is or not then you'll need to go and see a, a psychologist or psychiatrist la. to say that um, lo- lapses in memory or, or loss of attention is an early sign of dementia is very, it's, it's too premature la, in that sense la. because it's just so variable in that sense right um, I think one of the main uh, things that we look out for is the uh, loss of time so that means they start losing or not remembering how they got to a place for example or the short term memory like it's really really short la, for example right um, and they cannot remember how they got there, for example, what day is it today, what they're doing at that, that spot. When they start losing time like that, then it's a, probably a bigger indicator whether it's dementia or not. And then you want to get some assessments done to check and see. Like. Well, we get that. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm driving, mm. I've got a lot of things on my mind, and correct. I get to a spot and I'm like, how did I get here? Yeah, correct. You know, that's not dementia. Yeah, that's autopilot, right? You, right. Just do, you just do what you need to do to get where you need to go. So that's why I say it's hard to answer that question. So if it's a pattern, it's something that happens on like a daily basis, for example, and it's getting more and more severe, then you want to get them checked out and see um, and that's the only way to really be sure whether they have dementia or not Are there any early physical signs or symptoms of dementia? If it's dementia dementia alone probably not it's more cognitive right um, unless it's something like Parkinson's then there's more physical uh, retardation mm. for okay. example right but if it's dementia dementia on its own like with Alzheimer's not so much it's more cognitive more psychological so mm. when they start losing the sense of time then that's an early symptom A big indicator la, yeah correct you then you want to get it checked out definitely we receive a voice note from Kenneth. Hey doc, I've got a situation with my colleague who's going through a tough time at work. Now, she's a great worker, but her whole team has been retrenched due to company restructuring. She has to take on the entire team burden right now while she's having some fragile mental problems. You know, she's basically wondering if and when she'll be the next to go. She has a family to provide and she also seems to be thinking that she's got no skills that will get her another job. How do I make her realize that this job or this company is not the greatest and she's employable elsewhere even in these difficult times? Why can't she see this? Oh, wow, I think a lot of you are actually going through this right now with all these uh, retrenchments all mm. over the place, right? Yeah, definitely. Is this yeah. a self-esteem issue, Doctor? It's a self-esteem issue, I think, definitely. And it's more, it's like your bark is worse than your bite kind of thing, right? So it's because of the thoughts that you have, the kind of negative impressions or, or feelings that you have about yourself that makes it f- feel that, you know, I can't do any better than what I already have, like, in that sense, right? 
I think Kenneth, it's it's not easy. It's it's something that it's going to be very hard for you to be able to convince her otherwise. Um, and I said this before on this show, right? Like you know, you can bring that horse to the river, you can't force the horse to drink the water, right? Yeah. Same thing here. You can keep telling her the same thing again and again and again. But unless she makes that flick that switch in her head and say, okay, I think I'm okay. I think I'm actually quite competent. Um, there's no amount of convincing. And sometimes the best way to do that is really just to push her into the pool, that kind of thing, and make right. her swim, kind of thing, right? Honestly, I don't blame your colleague though because the climate is like that right now. You know, there's so much uncertainty about work. There's so much horror stories out there. So much anxiety out there. So it's natural for her to feel that way. So it's probably amplifying all the insecurities that she has. Right. So I think the best thing that you can do, Kenneth, is just be there for her right now. I think once things calm down a little bit now in the RMCO and things like that, we're getting a bit better, and the whole job situation calms down a little bit. Right. Once things that that calms down, then you can start working on the self-esteem and then uh, reassuring her that hey, you know what, you managed to handle the entire team's burden and you still okay um, that tells us something right and then slowly build up from there like, I think that's the best thing you can try and do like. how do you feel about that though? I mean like your company is setting you up to fail basically it almost sounds like that right? I mean you don't know what's the company's intention right, right? Okay. maybe they've got further plans or whatever it is right I think it's a matter of perspective. So on the one hand, like what you say, JD, right? It's like um, they're setting up you to fail. So they put so much work on you that it's just impossible for anyone to succeed. And then when they, you fail, they've got a ready-made excuse to let go, let you go, for example, yeah. right? But if you can switch the perspective and say, hey, you know what? I might get fired anyway, but this is a challenge. If I pull this off, I'll be okay. I mean, I'll be totally fine, right? So maybe that if you can change that perspective there, then it gives you that boost, right? So instead of a horror show, anxiety kind of provoking, right. I think it's a challenge. It's like, okay, I'm going to try and do this and see where I get go from here right I, I'm looking at it more of from this perspective right. the whole team <clears throat> has been retrenched but they kept you right you yeah, know so yeah. th- there must be something that she did right yeah, you know yeah. mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. she can do mm-hmm. that yeah. job yeah. by herself right you know right, right. so that's why I think the company has high hopes on her yeah, yeah. that's why she maybe she doesn't want to leave right. because she feels like the, she's indebted to, to the company yeah, yeah so if we can get her to accept more of that like what you said Bell and then she gets to trust herself more I think then she can make, have a big, big confidence boost line in that sense. Like. We receive a text message from Martin uh, and he says, My boss is hard to predict. One day she's all friendly and nice. One day she's snappy and irritable. It's quite draining dealing with someone like that because you don't know what her mood is going to be like. We have established that she is a black and white kind of person, but sometimes... She's just very hard to predict. How do you suggest dealing with people like this, especially if you're directly reporting to a personality like this? Mm, That's a really rough one. I think it's the unpredictability (laughs) that drives you crazy, right? And there's really no good way to manage it, right? Because you're trying to control something that's out of your locus of control. Um, You can't, like, tell your boss, today I'm having a bad day, so I want you to be behaved. You you can't do that, right? The most uh, practical thing that you can do is to not anticipate. So every morning you go to work and you just wait and see what's there for you, in a sense, and you react accordingly. I think it's especially worse when she's really, really good on one day, and that just sets you up to say, oh, okay, okay, cool, my boss is uh, happy today, you know, she's feeling good I think this week will be a good week and then suddenly she just like you know, nose dives and then you go uh, topsy-turvy as well right so I think the best thing that you can do is to not anticipate not not guess or not, not assume what the boss's mood is going to be like go into work see how she's like if she's grumpy okay let's, let's deal with it Conley, if she's happy okay let's just appreciate it for what it is like. there's really no controlling it like. mm. 
another thing that you can do is to just focus in on yourself, right? So de- regardless of how she's like, you know, understand or accept like, that that's my boss. I can't change that. You know, this is something I need to deal with, and then go about doing what you need to do to to survive the day or to get your job done and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think that's the the thing here. Like. So I guess what I'm trying to tell you is to let go, right? Don't try and control the situation that you have no control over, and then you feel much better about it. Like. How about the boss though? Is there some kind of mental disorder going on there? Is this like considered bipolar? If one minute she's this and one minute she's that, or is it mostly maybe just PMS? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> Bell asked that question. I did, yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, women go through it's PMS, possible, yeah, yeah. and you said PMS is now under yes, in your it's book, a right? Diagnostics, yeah. It's a diagnosis, unfortunately. It is possible that it could be PMS, right? Um, it whether it's a mental disorder, maybe it could be bipolar. But typically, with bipolar, it's that you're super high, like you're happy, or you're depressed, so angry. Maybe it could be under the depression part. So it could be possible. It could be a personality thing as well. You know, maybe she just has a very fluctuating personality style, and you know, and she's very reactive to situations. So she wakes up on the wrong side of bed, then that's it. My whole day is uh, stuffed, right? Right, you right. Know, that kind of thing. It could be that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to tell why it's happening. For Martin, I think it's good enough for you to know that it's happening. Right? Right, and then we just need to react accordingly because the more you try and predict, it's not going to do you anything good, right? Mm-hmm. So might as well not try. We receive a voice note from a lady who wishes to remain anonymous. Uh, my husband has recently been diagnosed with psychosis. My question is that, uh, with the fact that he is now being diagnosed with this problem, will my two children having higher risk? And if that is the case, um, is there anything that I can do now? to prevent or to control the condition. What is psychosis? So psychosis is usually associated with uh, hallucinations and delusions, la, right? Mm-hmm. So for someone who is hallucinating, hallucinating means that you see things or hear things that are not there. La, so your senses are not aligned with everyone else's uh, senses, right? So that's hallucinations. Delusions are false beliefs. La. So this is your stereotypical, the FBI is sending messages from the molars in my teeth. I've got to wear a, a, a aluminum foil mm. cap kind of thing. Right. aliens from reading my mind, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Those are delusions, right? So psychosis Psychosis is like the umbrella term for both of them. Some questions I would like to ask, one of them is definitely, like, is the psychosis ongoing or is it just a newly new diagnosis in a sense, right? And I ask that because typically with psychosis, right, hallucinations and delusions, the most common disorder we associate that with is schizophrenia, mm-hmm. right? But that usually is diagnosed when the people Very are eight, yeah, correct, 18, 19, 20 years old age. I mean, your kids are 8 and 12, so I assume your husband's about, what, mid-40s, late-40s, early-50s, that kind of thing. And if it, that's the first time he's being diagnosed with psychosis, right, then I'm wondering maybe it could be something like um, uh, psychotic depression. So psychotic depression happens when someone is so depressed to a point where their voices, the, the negative voices are so loud, it starts overtaking their, their grasp on reality. La. So they start having images or thoughts or ideas that people are out to get them, for example, or they are really that bad, for example, and things like that, right? So to answer your question, right, um, will your kids get it? If your husband has been having active psychosis since a young age, then there is a very strong genetic possibility that your kids might have schizophrenia as well, right? Um, that And studies have shown us that like, I think it's about 50%, right? Okay. So in that case, then you want to make sure that your kids are in contact with a medical professional uh, as re- regularly, not not every month or whatever it is, right? Maybe once a year for a checkup and things like that, especially during the critical years, like, between 18 to 21, that's a critical time for you to check, making sure everything's okay. Like. So just to see someone, so it's like a medical checkup. Mm. Right? Just go and see someone, make sure everything's okay. There are screeners and checklists that we can do, so that's good. Now, 
Now, if it's the, the late onset one, so it's more likely to be psychotic depression, right? That one, again, is also quite likely. Depression does run in families as well. But the chances of your kids getting psychotic depression is less. Like, the chances of them getting depressed is there, right? But for them to have psychosis because of depression is not so likely, like, in that sense, like, compared to like, schizophrenia, for example, right? Right. In that case, if we can manage the depression, so if we can like, hi- um, again get them into therapy um, relatively early, so like 18, 19 years old, just to make sure that they have good coping skills, good coping mechanisms. So even if they become sad or depressed, they know how to manage it and get out of it quickly. Then we can stop it from going to a point where it's become psychotic depression, right? So there's some things that we can do about it. Lah. Can you be cured <coughs> of psychosis? So if it's psychotic depression, then it's more likely to be managed, right? So I won't, I never use the word cure because we just never know. Right. But because with psychotic depression, we know that the root cause is the, the depression, right? Mm. So if we can manage the depression, we get you out of it or, or manage the depression, right? Um, then the psychosis goes away. So that one can. With schizophrenia, it's really a shot in the dark. Lah. So we have medication that can calm the, the psychosis down, right? And that's usually the treatment process. Like they go see a psychiatrist, get medication, calm the psychosis, and then they see a therapist and try and resolve whatever issues that you have, right? Mm. But a lot of times, the psychosis is always going to be there. It's just that people learn how to deal with it, right? So that means people will always see um, things running around them or hear voices and things like that. But they know, hey, you know what? It's just a voice. I don't have to act out against it. I don't have to react towards it. These beliefs I have, you know, yeah, but I don't have to react to it. So you learn how to cope with it. But there are some instances really rare that it just all goes away. More often than not, it's about managing the situation. We receive a voice note from Iswan. I have an issue with my mom who we think is suffering from some form of bipolar disorder. She always has these ideas for starting a small business with whatever she's interested in at the moment. And we always want to support her, okay? It started with cooking when she sold with her best friend at all these flea markets. And after a week or so, she always give up saying she's not interested anymore. Then she'll have few months of doing nothing but watch TV all day. Then she got into antique collecting and again it lasted for few weeks only. She'd been alone ever since my father passed away over a decade ago. But I noticed that this has gotten worse when my younger sister moved out to Penang to study. So now she's alone at home. Do you think she's going through depression, bipolar or something else? Maybe it's empty nest syndrome. Can it be like midlife crisis for mm. women? Yeah, yeah. Uh, midlife crisis happens uh, male and females. Just to answer in parts, I think bipolar disorder is a possibility. So with bipolar disorder, there are two types. So there's type 1 and type 2. Type 1 is the extreme one where the the manic uh, episodes are so extreme where they think that they can literally fly off walls and fly off buildings and things like right, that. So right. it's quite bad. Uh, type 2 is the hypomanic. So it's a, a very good feeling right i feel really good like i can go to genting for example and, and win everything that i play at for example or i can ask anyone on date and they're gonna say yes to me la. so it is it sounds possible that the uh, your mom might be uh, bipolar too potentially like because of the the gaps right so she's like super excited for a couple of weeks and then after that, it just tapers off and she's like idle for a couple of months and then it comes back in so it does sound like a very uh, stereotypical cycle of bipolar la, in sense right um, but that being said, like what you guys said uh, about emptiness symptom, right? Yeah. Um, that could be possible as well because um, the husband has been dead for 10 years and then after that, um, after the daughter left to Penang, I think, it got worse, right? It could be a compensation kind of thing. So like I'm really bored, I'm lonely, I don't know what to do. So the, the instant something catches my attention and gives me a bit of uh, excitement or happiness, or whatever it is, I just latch on to it. La. But after a while, because it's not sustainable, then it just kind of crashes or so gets difficult, which most things do is after a while, la, right? So it's possible as well. So this one, I think it's, it's it's premature to say your, your mom is bipolar, but I think it's something that 
it warrants getting checked out. If it's bipolar, then there are good things they can do to manage it better, lah. So at least she's got a more stable, consistent kind of life, lah. Mm. If it's an empty nest kind of thing, then also it's a good thing. Then we can do something, put some things in place so that your mom is a bit more active. For example, got some activities that she can do and all the kind of good stuff, lah. He also actually asked whether it, this is depression. Yep. So with bipolar, oh, I forgot to mention this now. So bipolar means it's an oscillation between two states, right? So it's the hap- the manic stage and the depressed stage. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why a lot of times uh, bipolar goes undiagnosed because when people are high or happy, they're not going to come see a therapist, right? They yeah. only come when they're depressed. So a lot of times bipolar patients will be diagnosed with depression just because of how it's like. La. The best tool to help you diagnose, sorry, is time, right? So it could be depression, but it could be a bipolar depression, right? Because that's when she's she's watching iPad or TV or whatever it is, like long periods of time. Mm-hmm. So that's the depressed part. Uh, and then after that she becomes high after that um, someone who's just depressed won't usually have those uh, spurts of energy and activity right? Mm-hmm. because they're depressed like, in that sense right? so it sounds a bit more like bipolar than depression but again you know you gotta get checked out and see 